When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is it about Football Insider? Why do you subscribe? Honestly, Dan, it's your promos at the start of every podcast. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Why would you not want to get the knowledge first? Why would you not want those texts in your phone? I just, I smile every time they come up. I like to use these little nuggets and conversations with my friends, act like I'm, I just know more than they do because, you know, I do because I got the, the information going directly into my phone. Playoffs is going to happen this year. It's just really nice to get listen to you guys. You guys are like my movie stars as a sports fan and uh, they get the information, uh, the emails and the um, post-game pod, you know, and stuff. It's just, it's been the best money I spent. And I just think as bronze fan, we're, we're lucky to have the coverage that you guys provide. I don't think the other teams in the league have this kind of coverage. I live in LA and I can guarantee the Rams and the Chargers don't have this kind of coverage, nor do they have the fan base that would appreciate it. I read cleveland.com every day for the sports. I read it more than the LA Times. And you, know, you keep me in touch with home. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, it's, I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Here's a promo. Uh, if you want to sign up for Football Insider, go to cleveland.com slash browns and hit the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get involved in stuff like this. Hey, everyone, and welcome to our Browns post-game Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby. I've got Scott Patsko with me here to uh, start us off. I know Ellis Williams is going to jump on with us. Uh, here in a little bit as soon as he finds a spot to set up. I'm assuming we're going to hear from uh, from Doug at some point today as well. Uh, and Mary Kay will jump in here when she has an opportunity. Of course, the Browns uh, season is over 22 to 17. They uh, fall to the Kansas City Chiefs. So the dream Bills-Browns matchup will not happen. I imagine Browns fans will be adopting the Bills this week as uh, as their fan base of choice. So if you're listening, you want to jump in, use that raise hand feature. I already see one hand up. So just keep that hand up and, and we'll get to some questions as we go along. And, um, you know, if you want to talk about the team, talk about the game, whatever, big picture, small picture, whatever you want to get into, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Scott, um, this, is, this was sort of strange. This was a strange experience for me uh, because you're watching this crazy game. You don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, the season is just kind of over. <laughs> it's, uh, this is not something we know, is, is whether you're covering the Browns or following the Browns as fans, there's usually a pretty uh, set end date for these things. And that obviously is not the case, uh, the case this year. I guess just initially, what were your thoughts on, on this game and, and kind of just how everything ended today? Usually the season's over with a few weeks left to go. Uh, when you're covering this team. Not the case. That's, a, that's improvement. Um, as far as this game goes, I, there, were, there were two points in this game where the door was open there for the Browns to, if not win it, then 
kind of take control and put themselves in that position. And one was obviously at the end of the end of the half, you know, Higgins uh, with the fumble, and then you know you come out with an opportunity to to take the lead in, in the third quarter, and that you know just rolled away. And then the second one was after the interception, and that drive. Uh, there were eight minutes left. <clears throat> you have a chance to to go ahead in the fourth quarter uh, of the divisional round, and it just seemed like let's just kind of inch our way down the field. I kind of wrote. Uh, in my notes, how it just looked like they had made so many mistakes to that point that they just wanted to avoid that. Uh, and then I looked up and it, you tweeted out something similar. So I think we were probably thinking the same thing that it was just, they wanted, it seemed like they wanted to really drain the clock on that and avoid mistakes, avoid risk. But by doing that, they just ramped up the need for efficiency and they already had almost no room for error. So you're trying to to have a really long play, a really long drive with a lot of plays, eat up a lot of clock, and you know, it turns out that 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 wasn't the, the formula to go with because I mean they even they they went twelve yards, you know, and they needed a fourth and one conversion just for that. Um, so it was it was surprising not to see them aggressive. It just seemed like they really wanted to make sure they took time off the clock, even though Mahomes wasn't coming back. Um, but after that, that was it. You know, that was they didn't get another chance. Yeah, I, I did. I felt like that final drive, not the final drive, but that drive you were talking about. And this is what I tweeted. It just felt like they came out in that drive. Like, this is going to be it. This is going to be the last possession of the game right here. And then it, it just sort of stalled on them. And, you know, we'll get into that decision to punt. You know, Kevin Stefanski said after the game that he thought it was just too far to go for it. Um, you know, look, they got Chad Henney in a third and 14. So, I mean, in theory, it worked. Uh, they just didn't get off the field when, when they needed to. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll certainly get into some of that stuff. Ellis, you know, I, I was talking to Scott before you came on and, and this is sort of what we were talking about too, sitting next to each other. This was sort of strange. You know, we, we usually have an endpoint to these Brown seasons that we know about. This one was just sort of a, a wild game. And then all of a sudden it's, it's over. So sort of a strange feeling. Uh, we're what about an hour, hour after the game, not quite an hour after the game was over, maybe half an hour or so. Where are you at kind of with how this game played out? Yeah, Tony Stark has a line in Iron Man 3 where he goes, in life you experience, you experience things and then they're over and you still can't explain them. Except we can kind of explain this one, right? Like the way the game played out and when I got on, Scott was detailing it and it just felt like, and it really became obvious that the Browns were the less explosive team they really didn't take that many risks today um, from the box. You could tell that they w did dial up some deep shots. Some of those uh, traditional, you know, Kevin Stefanski esque play action bootlegs, but my goodness, the chiefs had them blanketed all downfield. Um, whether it's, you know, it's those two man routes, the deep posts or the deep overs by David and Joku. None of it was there. The chiefs had them scouted. They knew it was coming. Um, so, because you don't hit on those, then it makes the offense look less explosive because when your scheme doesn't work, you need your athletes to make plays. And the Browns, since the injury of Odell Beckham Jr., don't have that guy. That's not their fault. It's just where you're at in the season, and that gets into offseason talk. For the defense, they looked slow from the jump. Kansas City had a clear game plan of attacking the perimeter, the edges, and really challenging Cleveland out there. Really not since the 
Cowboys game, I'd say. Someone really just, you know, we're going to give our receivers jet sweeps and handoffs on the perimeter, even run our quarterback. You know, that first touchdown was a Patrick Mahomes getting the end. Um, and then ended up getting him hurt actually on this very same play, but or similar play. Um, but again, challenging the edges. So the defense looks slow. And then they just made uncharacteristic mistakes. Um, you know, the uh, first half hold. Um, the, the, of course, the Rashard Higgins uh, end zone play, which, I, you know, you don't want to be too hard on Higgins here, but, you know, Kevin Stancy to come out and say he has, he has a clear rule where you don't do that. It's, it's Patriots esque. You know, the Patriots, or at least narratively, kind of got known as the first team to say, nope, we don't extend the ball ever. Kevin said they have that rule, but I recall a few Kareem Hunt touchdowns this year where he extended the ball and it worked out. So they might want to uh, put that rule in the front of the, the uh, training camp guide when they start next season. But point is the Browns are here because of a lack of explosiveness on, on offense, no foot speed on defense, and then mistakes in the first half that they just couldn't catch up from. Could you guys tell, I'm sorry, from the box, um, I mean, we saw bootlegs more than I think we've seen down the stretch today. They kind of went back to that a few times, but over and over it was Baker rolling out. And if he wasn't uh, under pressure, he, he was just, he didn't see anybody open. And did you guys see any openings when they did boot or were those the plays that you saw downfield that just, that just recovered? I, I felt like, Honestly, look, this Chiefs defense is not great, and the numbers back that up. But I did feel like this defense was flying around, especially on those run plays. They were really swarming to the ball, and, and the, it seemed like a lot of the wide stuff just wasn't working because this defense was really fast today. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do think the Chiefs the, – there was stuff there for the Browns, but I thought the Chiefs in general – and going to Ellis, I know you want to say something about the bootlegs. The Chiefs played a little bit above their heads defensively today. Yeah, Dan, we saw the same thing. And what your breakdown tells me there, and I can't wait to go back and watch the All-22 and figure this out because we'll, we'll know definitively soon. I think the Chiefs just had the Browns scouted today. You know, when a defense looks that fast and plays that fast, it's usually because they know exactly what, what to do, where they're supposed to be, and when they're supposed to be there. And it goes back to what I said about the deep posts not working, the deep overs uh, on those two-man routes where Baker Mayfield uh, does fake action and keeps – he usually only has two, maybe three guys in route, and they were blanketed. I'm telling you, no one was open. Again, the All-22 will prove that. But when you lack the explosive playmakers on the outside, the guys that you can just give the ball to and go make a play, like Odell Beckham Jr., no, he was the Dallas game. Think of that. Just give him a reverse, and he's gone 50 yards. As Scott said, your margin for error shrinks, your degree of difficulty becomes heightened, and if you're scouted then and your scheme isn't working – there's not a lot, a lot of options there. So this might be really the first time in a while where just from a game plan standpoint, Stefanski ran out of tricks. All right, Doug Maurice uh, jumped in here. Doug, your initial thoughts here. You're on, you're on mute. That's his initial thought. <laughs> Three, two, one. Is this a gloomy post game? I didn't catch the very beginning. Is it gloomy? It sounds a little gloomy. Maybe I'm just, maybe you're being quiet in the press box. I get it. Are, are people gloomy right now? You know what? Let me, I am zero gloomy. Let, let me start here. Let's start here because I, I do, uh, you know, I want to, I want to look at the big picture and I want to talk about the big picture, but let's just start with this question. Did the Browns miss an opportunity today? No, I, but what does that even mean? What does that, I, no, they're not as good as Kansas city. And yeah, I know Patrick Mahomes got hurt, but 
the better team won and the home team won. So like, I, I like that is like a dangerous question. And I just, it, it gives me a knot in my stomach because if after this season, this fan base goes into the off season, believing that the story of the season is they missed an opportunity, man, that is like not the story of this season. So I know people are going to disagree with me, but like, I think there's a lot of talk right now that I disagree with it. Like, well, sure. I mean, I guess they could have won, but I do not view it as a missed opportunity. No. Well, okay. But, but can't it be without torpedoing what the season has been, right? We all, I think we all agree this season was the start of something and not the end. Okay. But can't you also look at this and say, man, yeah, Chad Henney on the field, third down and 14. I think Two it was wins. 18. Oh yeah. A win away from the Super Bowl. If you win this game, you go to, you get to go to Buffalo and face a Buffalo offense that has really struggled. I don't know. Maybe they would have lost to Buffalo. I think, I think it's fair to say without saying that this, without saying anything that, that this thing isn't going in the right direction. I think it's fair to say that maybe they did miss an opportunity today. I mean, the Kansas city kicker missed a field goal. He banked a, a an extra point off the upright. There's their best player in the league got hurt. Um, like, you know, maybe. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Did they have a chance to win? Yes, they had a chance to win. I don't like the phrase missed opportunity because that implies like should have to me. And by the way, if they get the stop, it doesn't guarantee they're going to march down and, and score either. So, I mean, of course they could have won, but, but I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the framing of that, of that conversation. Cause I don't, the better team won and they got lucky that the best player in the league got knocked out. So if that means they should have won because Mahomes wasn't on the field, I mean, I guess if that's your analysis, that's your analysis. But that's not – I don't think that's how I see it. So, going into this game, we if, – if this is the final score we would have got. We would have said, great season by the Browns. They were right there and that close. And I think for the most part, we still feel that way. But as soon as Patrick Mahomes leaves the game and we find out he isn't returning, we then get new information and have to reassess what we consider – a what the opportunity is and the opportunity there is going for the king you best not miss and the king wasn't even on the field meaning the browns had a chance to then ultimately take down a team that wasn't clicking and really like that was not the chief's best game at by any means if anything it's kind of how they looked all year and instead you don't have a chance to close it at the end you know baker mayfield doesn't even get an opportunity. And that, again, this is going to come back to probably a larger conversation we have about the defense. But all I'm saying is with that new information, you need to separate the two endpoints. Like, yeah, we're here. It was a great season. But in that second half, and specifically the fourth quarter, considering all the variables, considering the the just airmail rainbow pass Chad Henny threw into the end zone for the Browns, I mean, that's where you have a chance to dethrone the defending champs because – this is the NFL. You just don't know if next year you see this chiefs team and they're fully loaded and they're rolling. Like this is, it's just these split moments and these split second things that happen in the NFL and the Browns weren't able to capitalize. So that's the only reason I think it's a missed opportunity. I don't think it's a knock, but if the question is, it was this a missed opportunity simply put. Yes. I mean, I agree. They had missed opportunities to win this game, but I don't think it really, diminishes anything that was accomplished this season. I, I thought the season was success even before they got to the playoffs. So um, everything, you know, since week 17, it's kind of just been frosting on top of that. Sure. Yep. Chiefs didn't punt. 
this defense isn't good enough. The Chiefs didn't punt. We knew that all year. This defense isn't good enough. Now they got, I mean, they held them to no points after the Baker pick, which was unbelievable, which was miraculous. That was a great job by that defense at an incredibly crucial moment. They, and I, I know Ellis, you laid it out in your plan for the Browns to win is like limit possessions and slow it down. They did that perfectly. They didn't force a punt. So like their defense isn't good enough. And like, they didn't even force Chad Penny, Chad Hetty to punt. So like they are who they are. They did what we thought they do. They didn't exceed expectations. I just am very, I just, uh, I, it makes me, I mean, fans can think whatever they want to think. My gosh, I hope you only go into this off season with great feelings because here's where I am on this. This is, I, this is not a miss. I, this is great. This is all good. But they are good enough now. What I wrote after the game is they're as good as any team in the league except the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. They can play with Buffalo. They can play with Green Bay. They can play with anybody. But the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs are different. And I know they they didn't look as great at times this year. They're different. And they did get a chance to play the non-Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. But the standard is raised. So I thought this was a good loss. Great way to go into the offseason. No good losses next year. Next year going into the season, they're as good as anybody. And we can, the, all Baker talks about is raising the standard. It's raised. So what's your expectation for the Browns next year? I don't know, AFC Championship game? And then you can be disappointed if they only win two playoff games. Because that's what this season did. But I can't be there now. I can't be there now. But can you, I, I guess what I'm saying is, can you, can you at least, without being disappointed in the season, because I said before, I said way back in the middle of the season, or I don't remember, at some point I said, even if they missed the playoffs, I thought the season would be a success with, with what they had discovered about themselves. So I, I'm, again, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying this season was some sort of failure because they lost this game. I'm not saying that this season, you know, everybody should feel terrible and this team's not going to be favored to win the North next year or anything like that. All I'm saying is I do think it's fair to look at this and say, man, what you needed to beat the Chiefs was for Patrick Mahomes to not be out there. You had an opportunity and you missed it. And that is what it is. You learn from it. I'm sure, I'm sure they're thinking. Look, We're just debating st- semantics. I mean, I don't think this. Yeah, is, I think that's more what I it completely is. I completely disagree. Because all these things did happen. They had an eight-minute drive to cut at the five. They got a freebie pick in the end zone because the backup quarterback stinks. And they got the – but they had to have a bunch of things happen. I know they had the terrible break on the fumble. But a lot of things had to happen to even give them their chance. And also, there's some discussion of, like, all the mistakes they made early on. If the idea is, like, they had to play perfect and Patrick Mahomes had to get hurt and that's how they win and that's a missed opportunity, that's not how I view it. The Browns held the Browns held the Chiefs to four field goal attempts in this game, which, you know, we talked before the game really all week. The conversation was the Browns offense should be able to do what it needs to do. It's the defense that has to do something in this game. And the defense kind of did do something in this game. They held them to four field goal tries and they missed one. Um, So if you want to be disappointed about something, I guess be disappointed about the way this offense performed today. Um, If you really want to take something and hang on to it and, and be and be mad going into the offseason. That's probably it. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't recommend that. Okay, so I want to hear from if you're out there watching, you want to throw your hand up, go in the chat, whatever. I want to hear kind of how you feel about this football team moving forward. You know what you think the expectations are going to be moving forward. Um, I mentioned it that you know you're looking at a team now with an offseason and a draft and money and all this stuff that should be able. Uh, to put themselves as, as probably the AFC North favorite, probably put themselves on par uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs going into uh, next season. That, that's the goal. 
So, uh, you know, I want to hear from all of you kind of how you feel about this, this game, feel about this football team moving forward. I think the really good news, and, and I thought he played really well again today, got some bad luck with the Higgins thing, didn't get a lot of help with the drops early. Baker Mayfield was really good today, I thought. And he's been really good now for a long time. And it, you, you've got to feel like, I mean, look, you've got your quarterback now. And now he's going to have an offseason to get better. He's going to go into his second year in this system for the first time in his career. I mean, that's kind of where it all starts with this team. But even with this loss, your quarterback played pretty well today. And the arrow is definitely pointing up for him still. Anybody? I mean, obviously, I don't even know. That's <laughs> the point we've reached. Thank God. That's the point we've reached in the Baker Mayfield discussion where you just said he's good. He's the quarterback for the next 10 years. And we all were silent because the answer is, of course he is. The, there is no Baker Mayfield debate anymore. He's good. They're good. He's staying. Everybody's happy. I don't know what we're going to do. There's no quarterback <laughs> debate in Cleveland. How do we cover this team? He's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's as he's right there. He, you can win at the highest level with him. And on the biggest stage, he played really well. Wasn't perfect. Played really well and gave you a chance to win. All right, let's, let's start plowing through some of these raised hands here. Uh, Tyson, we're going to go to you first. Uh, when you get unmuted, you can go ahead. Well, in the words of Terrell Owens, he's my quarterback. So I'm uh, <laughs> looking forward to the Browns signing Baker to a long-term uh, extension. Um, great season, uh, tough game, but um, the future is bright. A good offseason. I feel people that are coming down on Joe Woods right now, he doesn't have anything to work with except for me, two players, you know, defensive line, Denzel Ward. And the last thing I'll say, and you guys will make some comments, that'd be fine. Uh, OBJ sure will have been nice to have out there today when they're pr playing press man coverage. So great season. Very happy. Looking forward to off season. Thank you. I'm out. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joe Woods. Any issues with it? I think we've talked about this throughout the season. I, I still think it's kind of the X's and O's versus Jimmy and Joe's thing. I don't know that he has the guys right now. Um, I, I, I guess Kevin Stefanski is going to have to take a long look at it, but I just think we can't really make too much of a judgment on Joe Woods, uh, you know, based on what we saw today or, or based on this season. I think we can make a judgment that he might be pretty good. And they don't have enough good players on defense. I, 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 I don't think they had, they got after him a couple times. I mean, right when Tony, you know, Tony Romo here on the TV is like starting to say, man, they started, got to start bringing some blitzes. They brought them. They got a little pressure. I didn't think they got killed on any of that, you know, but you wind up in a spot where they're throwing like a check down to Williams and BJ Goodson's supposed to chase him down. And it's like, well, that didn't work. So, but like, what's, how many times can we talk about that BJ Goodson isn't good coverage, isn't that fast? So they're going to add some defensive players. I don't know where people are on like bringing it on Joe Woods. I just, I don't understand it at all. They, they, the, this team scored 22. Yeah, he's defense was clearly better over the second half of the season. I mean, you're right. They, they, I mean, those four field goal attempts, that's, that's a victory for this defense. And when you look at all the people that have been in and out, on the defensive side of the ball this season. We never got to see what what this Joe Woods team could really do or what his original plans were. I think if you want to make a judgment on Joe Woods, um, he, he needs another season, I think. Yeah, he's proven adaptive and diverse 
you know, the Browns played a bunch of cover two last week. They blitzed more this week, things that they really weren't their MO leading up to these past two playoff games. And he, he threw it at opposing offensive coordinators. That's what you need to do in the playoffs, try to catch guys off guard. And that tells me that he both is willing to take risks and then he could coach his guys up to, to try and execute those. So give him the players and he's more than earned another year of, of figuring this out. And I'll say this very quickly. The, the similarities between the Browns and Ohio State this season are remarkable. Ohio, they both had first-year defensive coordinators. And after they both had very successful seasons that fell a little bit short, both fan bases are asking, is the defensive quarter the wrong guy? You do not want to be part of a franchise that, has, that fires a first-year defensive coordinator after you held the Chiefs to 22 in the second round of the playoffs. So, like, if the question is – does the defense need to get better? Yes. If the question is like, is Joe Woods the guy? That's what. That's the kind of stuff that's driven you crazy as Browns fans. That guys get fired all the time as soon as something goes wrong. So like, that's not even, like that's not even a discussion because that's not what you want to be. Not after a year, man. After this season, you're gonna that, you're gonna fire assistants. That's where you are. That's like like not even. That's not even a reasonable discussion. All right, Terry, you are unmuted. Go ahead. Well, I'd like to uh, just say that uh, in August, uh, if you would have told me where we ended up today, I would have probably jumped off the roof or something in excitement. So I think we need to really remember that. Another thing that nobody's brought up is I think it's actually incredible when you consider what's gone on the last three or four weeks what do they do practice three times in the last four weeks or something like that. And there's no way you could be prepared. And uh, part of the reason that so many people were getting hurt was probably because of the lack of practice time and uh, overuse injuries when people are gassed and winded because they, they haven't been able to practice like the other teams. So I, I think that uh, the coaches and players just ought to be commended uh, that's as good as anybody could have possibly done. And I think, well, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the thing that's going to stand out about this season is how Kevin Stefanski and his coaching staff handled everything leading up to it. Uh, you know, this was not a season that was built for first-year head coaches. The Browns did finally have a regular week of practice this week, and it just felt strange that they were practicing normally and we weren't getting – texts and tweets about the facility being closed. Um, they went into Pittsburgh, no excuses. Kevin Stefanski was in his basement. Alex Van Pelt was calling plays. Your special teams coordinator had the headset on. Um, and there were no excuses. They just went in and destroyed Pittsburgh. So I think that uh, I think that's part of the big story of this season is Kevin Stefanski and just his unflappability. It's something we've talked about a lot his unflappability, I think it, it kind of trickled down to this football team. And honestly, I thought we saw it a little bit today because everything kind of went wrong for this team in the first half. And then there they were in the second half, right back in the football game. Scott, yeah, it, for it, you, sorry, okay. Scott, for you, what stood out about how Kevin Stefanski kind of handled this whole, this just whole weird season and then everything that was going on leading into the playoffs? Well, I think it's what stood out is the fact that they played this game today, you know, and, and they got through all that. I think he was, like we said, even when he got hired, even before we got to the point where they were uh, even holding virtual practices, 
we talked about how organized they were and the word alignment was thrown around. And this is like the end result of all that, you know, months and months later, uh, they're at this point in the season and you have to point to him and, and over his head a little bit to Andrew Barry about how they, they made moves and, and adjusted to, to keep this going. A guy named Blake was playing today. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy that, that they did survive all that, uh, you know, last week going into the Steelers game. Um, I mean, that's, if you want reasons to be optimistic, despite today's loss, I mean, Kevin Stefanski is right at the top of the list that he's the guy kind of running the ship now. And we're not talking about where this team goes from here. It's, we, we know it's, it's where he's going to lead them. Yeah. Um, what Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry and this entire coaching staff were able to develop this year, uh, it, it, it very well could bring Kevin Stefanski the coach of the year award. Uh, Scott's right. It, if you are looking for, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but you hang your hat on Kevin Stefanski. I'm confident he's entering that echelon of young up and coming play callers who are going to be solidified and bona fide in this league for years to come. What's tough about a game like this is analyzing first the micro part of the, of the game and then looking at the offseason and having a macro view of it. Because I do want to say this, for all the, the praise Kevin Stefanski and his staff deserve and how buttoned up they were and how prepared the, this team's been despite everything, you know, the lack of practices as, as we this question was presented to us, that all was true in Pittsburgh. They were sloppy tonight and they were uncharacteristic. I, I wrote all week about how the rush lane integrities integrity of this Browns defense was going to decide this game. And really from the opening drive, I don't know if it was just coached or ignored or game plan, but the McCall Hardman 42 yard reception, which was really just a run where miles Garrett tackled him 42 yards downfield could have been avoided had miles Garrett just maintained his outside leverage and forced him to cut back inside instead miles Garrett let him outside and then made up for his mistake 42 yards later. Patrick Holmes converted a third and eight before his injury. No rush lane integrity. The last play, well, second to last play, uh, where Chad Henney ran for the first down and got 12 of the 13 yards or whatever he needed. No contain, no rush lane integrity. And I, it sounds like a broken record, but to me, it just, I was disappointed to see that. I was a little surprised because that's just coaching. That's just having your guys rep where they're supposed to be and then your guys following through and somewhere between the coaching point and the responsibility on the players it got lost in translation because this team let two different quarterbacks two very different quarterbacks get outside of them too often and it, it and i think it cost them the game today i think that's the chiefs i think that's the pressure that the chiefs put on every defense right that you lose your mind a little bit. Right. Yeah. You, 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 you get a little hyper, you get a little excited. You you, just, you try to play for the home run. It's a lot like Baker's interception out of character. You're playing. It's a great point, Doug. You're, you, you are playing the defending champs. You're in their house. You start feeling it. The Browns come out and know they need a touchdown and Baker Mayfield tries to play hero ball, which he hasn't done since the first Pittsburgh game. And it's out of character. So you're right, Doug, like whether it was the D line, not, putting their coaching points on the field or Baker Mayfield's interception you're right. The, the defending champs probably do that to you. I, and I don't th- yeah, it's not coincidental. I mean, like, right. I thought that the, the spot in the game was exactly why Baker threw that pick. He's tried to do too yeah. much in that moment, feeling like I've got to make a play. And then I just think the speed, I mean, you, the speed of the chiefs offense is something 
and, and somebody already said it, the OBJ thing, like the idea of that, that's what OBJ, now that this offense has itself, that's what he could bring back to this team. They need easy points. The Browns just had to grind everything out. And like, great, 18 play drive, eight minutes, great. But like, they just don't have a lot easy. And the, the Browns managed to limit, you know, a lot of the, you know, Tyree Kill didn't have 380 yard receptions today. But man, you can see where that can take this Browns offense to the next level, which is why as good as they are, there's more out there for them next year. All right, Alex, as soon as you get yourself unmuted, you're up. Okay, first of all, I want to say the fact that we're talking about football and not I haven't looked at 5,000 mock drafts and figured out every machination of a trade up or down in the first round, I just want to say super excited 2021's off to a great start. Secondly, Doug, I really need to get some understanding of this, not viewing this as a missed opportunity versus this not being a disappointing season. I think that those are two mutually exclusive things. I think that this season was a success by any measure that you can come up with, but a team that was there for the taking with their superstar quarterback out, I don't know. And forgive me, I'm a Browns fan, so I don't know how to process playoff losses, but <laughs> How is that not a missed opportunity when we had them on the hook, no punts, whatever scenario you want, um, missed calls, all of that. And in the end, we were still biting our nails with three, four minutes left. How is that not a missed opportunity? Because when you view it like that, it's not that one thing had to happen to create the opportunity. It's like six things have to happen. And like four of the six did. And so then like the last thing doesn't happen. They had the eight minute drive. Henny threw the ball right to him in the end zone. You get the ball back. You, you don't get, you know, you don't get the first down. So you punt it back. So they get it. Now you've got to get the stop. But like a bunch of good things did happen along the way to create that. So if, listen, if Chad Henny had come in and marched him right down the field and scored and they would have lost by three scores, like we wouldn't be talking about this. So they did they got part of the way there, but I just, I push back against the idea of like, Hey, if they needed, if this six, if these six things wouldn't have happened, if these six things would have happened, they would have won and four of the six do. And it creates the facade of man, all we needed was that. It was like, man, do you know how hard it was to even get to that point? So that's my point here. So much had to happen to even create the missed opportunity that I don't view it as a missed opportunity because, man, the fact that he even got the ball down one score in the final eight minutes was a victory in itself, right? So that's where I am on that. So it's, it's just semantics. I mean, it's not – we all saw the same game. It's not like I saw a different game than you guys. That's just, that's just not where I am. That's just not where I am. Against a better team at home. They're the Chiefs. They're defending Super Bowl champs. That's just not the – that's not how I'm ever going to describe this. If you guys want to, that's fine. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Hollis. He's been sitting here with his hand raised. Uh, when you're ready, go ahead. Hey, how's everybody doing? Great. Good to see you. It's uh, disappointing. It's disappointing, but uh, I was a little bewildered why we didn't see Kareem Hunt get the ball a lot sooner in the game. Uh, I would have thought a good combination of he and Chubb receiving the ball out in space would have been real key to being successful today. And I was disappointed that he wasn't involved a lot earlier. Now I understand they were kind of keying up to stop the run because they knew we were probably going to try to run the ball against them. And we came out throwing, uh, 
after that, it really didn't have the effect that we wanted it to. But uh, so I can kind of understand how he went to the pass, but still didn't come back to the run soon enough. And then obviously didn't involve Chubb. The other thing is I would have thought after Nick came back from the injury earlier in the year, they would have worked to develop over the rest of the season. So by the time we got to this point, we'd have had a nice package of Chubb and Hunt in the backfield together, you know, maybe not throughout the whole game, but maybe, I don't know, 40, 50% of the game, something like that, where they're both on the field. And uh, especially, uh, you know, with, with uh, Beckham being out, you know, we didn't have as much overall speed at receiver, except for people's Jones. And uh, anyways, that's, that's my take on that. Uh, just thought this is one, I got to disagree with Doug. I think we did let an opportunity slip away. I mean, uh, when we got the ball back at the 20 with uh, whatever it was, five minutes left, or I thought, I thought we were going to do it. I thought, you know, there's no way we could be denied. But I understand the logic about taking as much time off the clock, but with the quarterback they had in at the time, I wouldn't have been as scared as – you might usually be with the starter from the other team in there. So uh, that's my take. Okay. So, so let's, let's talk about the, um, I am curious about the, you know, when it comes to the Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb thing, it's something we've talked about on here before. It's something that always gets asked when we do Q and A's with uh, on the texts and stuff. I, I mean, look, it was pretty clear that, you know, they, they, they weren't going to use those two guys together a whole lot. Now they were on the field together for at least one play today. It was like a little screen to hunt and then a little throwback to Chubb. I don't know if it was designed, if there was an option to actually throw to hunt on the screen or if that was just sort of eye candy, uh, but they ended up throwing back to Chubb on it. You know, that one just wasn't in the cards this year all that much to have those two on the field together. At the same time, maybe that's something we see in year two of this offense, which is really important to remember. Um, Scott, what did you think of the usage of, of Hunt today? I, I know there was at one point today I kind of looked at Ellis and I'm like, has he been on the field at all? And he I, hadn't been I, on the field a whole lot. I almost texted you guys because you were there in the box asking, is, is Hunt in the tent? Like, where's Hunt? Like, after the first two drives, I wrote in my notes, where's Kareem Hunt? And in the third drive, he finally got a target. It was that uh, pass interference or pass or defensive holding, whatever it was. And that was it for the first half. He had no carries. That was the only time he was targeted. And it wasn't even an official target. Um, it was weird. As for Hunt and Chubb on the field at the same time, I mean, only one of them can carry the ball. It's not like you're going to – there's only so much you can do with, like, fake handoffs and two guys in the backfield. And having them both back there is – it'll give you matchup problems if you want to split them out. But you have a bunch of tight ends for that too, which are basically accomplishing the same thing. So I don't know that having Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field together is vital it's worked fine as far as them and keeping them fresh. I do though agree that it was weird how little Kareem Hunt factored in, especially the first half of this game. Yeah. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb sharing a backfield consistently at this point is fan fiction, fan fiction, which I greatly contribute to. Um, I was convinced we'd see it eventually. Um, Scott makes a good point that there's not a whole lot you can do between the twenties. I think it's a package that would be extremely stressful on a defense in the red zone, but this team doesn't really need red zone efficiency help anyway. And having them both on the field at the same time for extended snaps risks increases the likelihood of injury, which clearly 
we saw what this team looked like without one of those guys. They're at when both this offense to be at its best needs both those backs. I, until I see it in next season, I'm probably just not going to talk about it. It's really not worth exploring at this point. Kevin's fancy is just not interested in it. And I, I guess I, I can't really blame him, but I'll say this, that in terms of just the lack of touches Kareem Hunt got, it was a strange first half with the Browns only having the ball three times. Joe Petonio said that multiple times in his postgame presser, but with that same logic and game theory, you have to plan for that. Like this was clearly the game plan Kevin Svansky wanted. He wanted multiple plays and being able to take time off the clock. And for for Kareem Hunt to not really be a part of that first half plan is a little disappointing. Again, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this. I've got a lot of stuff I want to revisit. But part of me, as we keep dwelling on this game, kind of feels like Kevin Stefanski just left some stuff in his bag or wasn't willing to explore some unknown real estate. He stuck to what they do well and what they're known to do. And the Chiefs were ready for it, as I started this podcast saying. So would I like to see some more creativity out of a guy who I think has been extremely creative this year? Yeah, but again, that's why this is year one and we'll see where it goes. But for today, it, it really wasn't there. They had 25 plays in the first half, three drives. Yeah. So do people think that Hunch, they should have given the ball Hunt to Moore instead of throwing it? Or do they think they should have given it to Hunt instead of Nick Chubb? So it's like they, they game plan to like shorten the game, have only three drives, and then people are like, why don't the offense do more? It's like because they didn't have – they had three drives. It was the plan. So they didn't run as many plays. I don't know. Do people think Nick Chubb got the ball too much? I would have liked to have seen uh, Kareem Hunt on the receiving end of a couple of those Nick Chubb drops. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, and Scott, that's exactly it. I was just going to say that. And specifically, the the screens are one thing. The screens are the screens. But when you put Nick Chubb in the slot and have him run an an out and it hits him right in the hands and he drops it, that's that's a Kareem Hunt play. Sorry about that. This thing behind me started going and it's super loud. And I don't know if you guys can hear that in the background. But uh, yeah. you know, I, I'll say this. I think one of the exciting things about this offseason is, you know, what Kevin Stefanski is going to be doing is installing year two of his offense with guys he knows really well and knows exactly what they can do and knows how they fit. And you know what he was doing last year? He was watching tape trying to figure out who, who exactly is this Steven Carlson guy or how good is J.C. Treader or what. I mean, he's just trying to find out who these guys were, and then he didn't even get them on the field. So – Year two of, the, of this Kevin Stefanski thing, he's going to be uh, – you're going to get to see year two of an offense, as Sean Payton likes to call it, call it. You have a chance to get to that graduate level of an offense, and that's something the Browns haven't had. All right, uh, Ken, we will go to you. As soon as you get unmuted, you can go ahead. Hey, uh, yeah, so first of all, thank you guys. Uh, it's been a weird year, as we all have said, and uh, – you know, being able to do these Zoom calls has been awesome. So thank you for uh, for putting up with all of us and uh, and making this a lot of fun. So it's been a great season. I've lived through great times and bad times from the 70s through now. And, uh, uh, you know, this is a good team. They've got a great core. I don't know if it was Baker or Miles that said it, but said, you know, unfortunately, probably not everybody will be back next year, but we've got a great group here. And, you know, it, it's definitely true that uh, from the coach all the way down to, uh, 
you know, the, the last guy that came onto the squad last week, right. Um, that, uh, you know, they just all seem to get along well together and play well together and uh, really looking forward to seeing what we can do as we go forward. So I just want to say thanks. Great time. And uh, I know we're not done with the year. We'll still do some stuff as, as, uh, as the year goes on, but uh, as the season ends, uh, it's been a lot of fun. All right, we appreciate that, Ken. We're going to move on here to uh, to Terry. Uh, I'm sorry, actually, we're going to go to Hayden. He's had his hand raised for a little while. Uh, so, Hayden, we'll go to you. Uh, as soon as you get yourself unmuted, you can go ahead. All right, hey. So, apart, apart from not ha- having to look, look at mock drafts or well, what coaches were asking to interview or what quarterbacks are coming out, it's pretty fun not doing that. But the second thing is, I think we figured out this year who our core guys are. We, I think we have our GM, our head coach, and the core quarterback. We have guys around them. I think we, we have a core going forward. We're just a few pieces away on the de- defensive side. And don't, don't forget, we didn't have Grant Delpit. And I guarantee you, Joe Woods had a big, big plan for him in this defense, probably including what could have been the day where he could have probably stopped Chad, Chad Henney on that 13 yard run possibly. And then one last thing is I think Andy Reed possibly beat, beat us on that last drive. He is just a offensive guru, insane coach. Now it took, took a lot of guts to call a play on four, fourth and one and not punt it. But I think sadly Stefanski may have been out coached a little, little bit today, but that's not a knock on Stefanski. Andy Reid may be the second best coach in this league right now. Yeah, Andy Reid is really good. And by the way, uh, if you didn't see it, Alex is still pretty mad at you, Hayden, for that question you asked in our live show the uh, the other night. I thought it was a good question, but apparently he's still uh, apparently he's he's still mad at you. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Mary Kay joined us. Mary Kay, the Grant Delpit point is really interesting. We talked about Joe Woods in this defense earlier, but the Grant Delpit point really can't, shouldn't be lost. He was going to be a big part of this defense. Yeah, he was, and he will be next year, uh, providing he comes back from that ruptured Achilles. So uh, I think that's something to look forward to. Andrew Billings is going to come back, and they're going to really do some things to bolster this defense. Uh, so I, I think everyone can rest assured uh, that there will be some new blood next year on the D. Was Andy Reid a genius when the 35-year-old quarterback scrambled for 13 yards on third and 14? Can I say this about that, Doug? <laughs> yes, because I think that he called the same exact plays that he would have called with Patrick Mahomes. That uh, airmail interception was a, was a deep shot. They were, I think, looking for Tyree Kill. They would have called that with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is probably picking up that first down where Chad Henning was a yard short. And then that sprint out on fourth and one they've ran it before plenty of times I think it ended the Denver game on Sunday night off the top of my head if I'm if I'm thinking accurately so he, I'm impressed by the fact he just stuck to his game plan and trusted Chad Henney who is obviously not anywhere close to Patrick Mahomes I thought the same thing I mean after he completed that 23 yard pass uh, to Tyreek Hill before they got the illegal crack the very costly illegal crackback uh, it just looked like Andy was was using Chad really entrusting him and, and relying on his, his veteran presence to do some of the same things that, uh, that Patrick could do and some of the same things that he has to run in practice every day. So I, I did think that was a, a brilliant move on, on his part. The 35-year-old quarterback ran 13 yards on third and 14. That's genius? Yeah. That's genius? 
it's sticking with it, the play call. And I'll say this, it's okay. knowing that the Browns don't – watch this, Doug. Just, you're going to like this stat. Uh, shout out Dan Goldberg who t- uh, tagged me in this tweet just now. Um, the reason is genius. And Andy Reid realizing the foot speed. Again, exploiting the speed of the Browns defense. Next Gen Stats says on that play, Chad Henney reached a top speed of 17.98 miles per hour, faster than any Browns defender in pursuit. So how about that? He, he just knew that he was going to be faster than the Browns even today. And even Chad Henney, his backup quarterback, who was, what, 35, like you keep saying, I mean, you was faster mean, than the Browns. That's a heck of a stat. Th- didn't you think the fourth and one was, was – I'm not talking about the fourth and one. Yeah, that was great. Okay. So, But if, if Chad Henney runs nine yards instead of 13 on third down, now it's fourth and five, and now they're punting it back to the Browns. That's all. I push him. I mean, like that's that. I mean, listen, the Browns defense wasn't good enough in key moments. And we knew that everybody knew that coming in, but you know, stuff happens sometimes. And like, I'm not going to chalk up Chad Henney running 13 yards on third and 14, other than like, you know, kind of a failing of the Browns defense and like weird football stuff happens. Well, that's, that's true. But I think Ellis makes a good point that, that he, they didn't all of a sudden just, you know, go super ultra conservative with, with right. Chad Henney in there. I mean, they really did not do that. I mean, he was uh, swinging. He was swinging for the fences. He was running for the fences. Uh, they, they remained super, super aggressive. And, and that is a coaching strategy. All right, we're, that play said more about the Browns linebackers on the field than it did about Andy Reid's coaching. Or we'll take a couple more, uh, a couple more hands here uh, before we, we log off. I, I can't win. I was just next to this really loud, like Microsoft Surface tablet station that was charging. I couldn't hear a word anyone was saying. And now there's this fridge behind me that just started going. So uh, I just can't win here at Arrowhead Stadium. They're trying to kick me out of here. Uh, Parmi, did you have your hand up? No. Go ahead. Probably for the first time in a while, Stefanski got a little bit, made some mistakes. I think when the Browns got the ball, they had, there was eight minutes left in the game. And when the Chiefs got the ball after the punt, it was 4.09. And the Browns barely made a first down on the fourth down play. And they wasted, they just bled the clock. I think when they made the first down, they didn't get the play in for the first down after the fourth down make. And then Baker had to burn a timeout. And it's just like the whole thing went fluey. They also lost a timeout on an ill-advised challenge. And Stefanski's been really good all year, but I think those mistakes really hurt. But they, in all aspects of Browns, didn't make the plays when they needed to. The fumble, the lack of plays on defense, the holding penalties, and then Stefanski maybe making a couple uncharacteristic mistakes. I think they probably got as much out of this team as they could to get to this point with just the whole talent level on the defense and the COVID and the lack of practice and the disc, the lack of continuity. It's like it just, they got to the, a point where they just couldn't in several areas, couldn't make that one play. So I think it's just, you know, I'm disappointed, but not devastated about the game. I think they did the best they could under the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, look, th- this was a game where I, I, I'm with you. I thought there were some kind of uncharacteristic moments, maybe from Kevin Stefanski, but you know, that, that's sort of, look, that Bill Belichick has moments, right? Every coach is going to make mistakes and we're going to second guess things. And um, you know, I, I think the, the thing that we talked about earlier with Stefanski is you feel really good about where he is and, and where this is going because of what we've seen from, from how he handled this. Uh, Mary Cammy, what did you think of, of, Kevin's performance today. 
thought he's had, he's had better days. Uh, I certainly didn't think it was, it was one of his best coaching performances, but I also thought that they collectively all contributed uh, to, to this loss. I mean, they, there were mistakes that you just don't usually see from the Browns. I mean, there were Nick Chubb dropping passes, Jarvis Landry with an uncharacteristic drop. I mean, drop, drop, drop. I don't know how many you guys counted, uh, but there were almost, it seemed like five or so, and then turnovers, obviously. Uh, but again, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Kevin's finest moment. And I'm surprised about that because I really thought that, that he would shine. Uh, but there were, uh, you know, some questionable situations, decisions, things, uh, as, as far as the defense again, real quick, you know, I mean, really when you, when you hold, uh, the chief's explosive offense to, to 22 points, I don't think anybody really thought that they would only score 22. They never do that. Uh, so I think that this was also just a function of, uh, the Browns offense being really out of sync and, and them taking them out of sync. I mean, they, they, it's, they just mugged Nick Chubb on a lot of his runs. I mean, he broke out for a couple, um, but it, it was uh, just a collective clunker from the start. I don't feel that. I, I, I don't. Chubb dropped a couple. The Jarvis Baker thing, you could see it was like Jarvis kind of slowed his route down a little bit. I think they had a little miscommunication there. They had a penalty early on. I mean, the, the, the Higgins thing is crazy. There's like five things that could have happened on that play, and four would have been fine, and the one that, that killed him is what happened. But they only had three possessions in the first half. They had a field goal, a punt, and, and the Higgins play that should have been a touchdown. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like they I, – I did not think it was a clunker. I don't I – don't, I thought it was a slowed-down game. I didn't think it was that the offense was out – I, I just – I don't – that's not what I felt from here, that they were out of sync. I just thought well, it was long I, drives. There was a drive where they had two drops, a holding – penalty and a batted ball you know just that's just not what you're used to seeing from from, from the Browns so it, it just wasn't I mean Jarvis Landry just that alone him him dropping a pass uh you know that's just in a game like this you don't expect that from him Nick Chubb dropping two passes again that's just not what you would expect if you add it up there were about five mistakes or six mistakes they needed to play a really super clean game really clean baker like he said throwing the ball across his body the cardinal sin mistake richard higgins uh the fumble when he knows the rule mistake you know so i do think that it just wasn't the the clean game that they needed i mean it, it wasn't the worst performance ever but it certainly wasn't what uh, what you would have expected the drive in the, in the third quarter when they came back after they didn't kick the, after they missed the field goal, you know, that was what we expected to see more of on a consistent basis. Yeah. I had no issue with Kevin Spansky's first half game plan, slowing it down. Like you said, Doug, assuming that Richard Higgins touchdown goes in or they convert, it's a one score game at half. The problem was the final 30 minutes, specifically the last 15, the Browns just didn't have a second gear offensively. They couldn't hit that explosive play. They couldn't find a way to all of a sudden become the attackers. It just felt like they were moving the ball in a way that didn't threaten anything past, you know, 20 yards. I think the longest pass Baker Mayfield completed in the fourth quarter was five yards and their last drive uh, of the game before their punt went seven plays, 12 yards. So again, no issue with the first half, but I really thought in the second half that Kevin Spansky would come out with something that just 
pump some life into the team. It's just something where it wasn't the same old play action stuff that clearly the Chiefs are ready for. And without having anything, a wrinkle like that, and not having a playmaker like Odell Beckham Jr., they couldn't really get over the hump there to threaten the Chiefs offense or defense, excuse me. They had four drives in the second half. It was the Baker pick, touchdown, touchdown, and then the drive at the end when they got the ball back with eight minutes left and had to punt. So if you're talking, I mean, what are you talking about? You talk about the last drive. They had the Baker pick, touchdown, well, touchdown. To? I mean, that's what games come down to. You have to keep going. Okay, so they had a bad drive on the last – when they got the ball back with eight minutes left, or that they, they had scored the touchdowns on their two previous possessions. They got the ball back down five with eight minutes left. Baker said that Kansas City brought some pressure he didn't expect, and a couple things didn't work, and they punted. So, but it, I, I would disagree with like the second half. They didn't have a plan. Baker threw a bad ball because he was forcing it. And then they scored two touchdowns. You have to 50% scoring rate in the second half. Isn't what this offense has been doing all year. And it's definitely not enough to, to beat the defending champions. And, and that's what happened when I understand that the, you, you, you have two paired touchdown drives in there, but it, even even in, in the first half there, they had a drive of seven plays, 12 yards. So these low moments where they can't weren't able to get out of their own way, like Mary Kay said with the explosive or with the mistakes, and then that last drive not having another gear. I mean, this is the AFC divisional round. You you gotta find that if you want to win the football game. All right. They definitely ahead, played good. They definitely played better in the second half. I went back and I, I added up the first downs in the in the first half. The, the Browns had 13 first downs, they gained 34 yards on those first downs, It's 2.6 yards per play. And it seemed like they were constantly in second and long and everything they got in that first half just felt like a chore, um, obviously compared to, to what the Chiefs were doing. In the second half, it was different. And by the way, 25 of those 34 yards came on the Higgins play. Um, but in the second half, they, they came out and they had a good drive uh, after the, the pick and um, yeah, really that the first half and then that, that last drive of the game, they just stick out. Um, but overall, they seem to have a better grasp of what they needed to do on offense in the second half. All right, Terry, you are, you have the honor of being our last Zoom uh, question, whatever you want to call it, uh, of the season, of the 2020 season. So Terry, as soon as you get yourself unmuted, uh, go ahead. A lot of pressure on you here. So uh, you got to come through for us. All right. Well, I appeared on the opening week picks pod. So it feels fitting True. that I should close out the zoom. So I have gone into the self-soothing Cleveland sports fan mode. I've talked myself off the ledge many times <laughs> and where I'm at is we started the year, not even on the same planet as the Ravens and the Steelers and the Chiefs. And we ended the year living right down the street. And our kids go to the same school and we are competitive with these people. We did miss an opportunity today, but I feel like some of the stuff that we're hashing out now, it's like we just got divorce papers and we're trying to decide if our entire marriage was a lie. It was a heck of a year. We have a lot to build on. Looking back to what I thought in that opening pod, I just wanted us to be an organized, disciplined, functioning football team that looked like the other teams in the NFL. But where at playoff time, I didn't say, we don't even play the same sport as these people. 
Now we do. It stings. It hurts badly today. But look at everything we've gone through, you know, one and 31 and Johnny Manziel. And if we're going to get knocked off course because our hearts are hurt today, I think we're just, uh, I mean, I, it's been a great year, even though my heart is just in a million pieces. Um, lastly, you guys have been fantastic. This is my first text insider year. It will not be my last. I look forward to talking to you guys again, hearing from you through the year. And as disappointing as today is, this has been the best year. My wife watched 18 consecutive football games. And I don't think she watched 18 football games in her life before this year. The Browns have turned a corner and we have reason to feel good going forward. But I am going to sit around and pout and feel bad tonight. Guys, thanks for a great year. Thank you. All right. Well, Terry, you did it. You, you landed this plane. Go ahead, Doug. Don't ruin it, Doug. Did we talk about the punt? The, the, the punt third and nine punt? The fourth and nine punt? Fourth yeah. and nine did punt, you, sorry. Did you guys talk about that at the beginning? I don't think we I don't think we did. Is there anybody that thinks he should not have punted? I haven't had time to think about it or look at it yet. So I I I don't wanna I, don't I mean the anti-punt mafia on Twitter is like going crazy. The people who have now they have the organization of people who are NFL fans who have now decided that Nobody should ever punt. So now if you if you punt at all, you're a scaredy cat. They're out for blood. They're in my timeline. They're nuts. So like I, maybe we all agree. I thought it was a very reasonable punt on fourth and nine in the moment. They had picked up some stuff on some third downs and stuff. They were throwing a lot of stuff short of the sticks, and then guys were running after the catch and getting first downs. I don't know what their fourth and nine play is there. And it's Chad Henney. And if it's Patrick Mahomes, maybe it's a different equation. I was absolutely fine with it. There are some fans who are not fine with it. I thought it might be worth discussing if anybody really thinks he made a mistake there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we touched on it. Uh, I saw Alex raise his hand saying he thinks maybe they, they should have gone for it. I think Parmy is in, in the same boat here. Um, I, you know, I was torn. I'll be honest. I was a little torn because – like I said, I thought they were trying to kind of run that thing down. I thought they wanted that to be like the last possession of the football game. But at the same time, after they punted, they got them to third and long. They got that Miles Garrett sack and got them to third and long. So they, they did what they were supposed to do. And then when they needed to make a play on third down, they didn't. And you so, don't really get to decide after the fact. It's like in the moment, did you did it feel like a mistake to you? Because you I'd don't know how it's it. going to go. I'd have go. In the moment, I'd have gone for it. I would have four minutes and 19 seconds left. I didn't left. think the defense could stop anybody. I'd have gone for it. There's yeah. 419 left though. I mean, and they, they did get him to a third down. It was third and four, 320 left. And the Browns uh, called a timeout. You, you stop it there. You get it back before the two minute warning. Chad Henney's the quarterback. And they, they took over at their own 28. I think that's the right call. I'm all for going for it on fourth down, but there, I think you're down by one score. Patrick Mahomes is not the quarterback. Punting it was fine. In the moment, I had no issue with it. The play before, uh, I believe Chris Jones, I want to say, got interior pressure on Baker Mayfield. I, it, you don't get it. The game's over there. And like Scott just laid out, it's who you're punting to and how you just got the ball back on the drive prior. So, yeah, in the moment, I, I didn't have an issue with it. Mary Kay? Yeah. In the moment, I, I didn't have an issue with it either. Like I said, I, I, I want to go back in and review it. I mean, we're, 
just trying to survive at that point and trying to like have some kind of a game story in the paper. <laughs> and so I haven't had time to like really think about it or process it, but in the moment it didn't stand out to me as, oh my God, I can't believe that that happened like I did in the Steelers game when Mike Tomlin uh, <laughs> did what he did on, on, the, uh, on the fourth down. So it didn't, it didn't jump out to me. Hey, I got, I got one more question. The Browns were technically the last AFC North team standing. So does that mean they get to claim the AFC North this year? No, they want the third place schedule, man. Don't be giving that away. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. They do have a tough schedule coming next year, but we'll talk about that later. All right. Uh, Terry, you brought us home uh, with the, the kind words. I know a lot of you out there appreciate us doing this, but we also appreciate you guys jumping on these Zoom calls and, of course, being subscribers uh, to our uh, football insider and, and getting the text and all that stuff. I love when you guys respond and uh, get to have little text conversations with you. So we certainly appreciate all of you guys. We'll be doing more of these as the, uh, the off season goes along. Um, and I guess now you're all Bills fans, right? <laughs> have to be. No? Come on. Why? Why would anyone be a Bills fan? Why, would, why wouldn't you root for a Bills? Why wouldn't you root for the Bills the next two weeks? Josh Allen. <laughs> who are you going to root for the next two weeks? Mahomes, Rodgers. That's what we're rooting for. Somebody said Packers. Tom Brady, cough. <clears throat> well, I'll be I'll be rooting for the Buffalo Bills. Our kindred spirits, three hours away. I will be rooting for them. So go Bills. That'll do it for the the uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Man, I ended that on a dud. All right. For Ellis, Scott, Doug, Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.